are listening to Meet and Write, a podcast that dives into liturgical worship and how communion really begins after church. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Meet and Write podcast. If I ask you the question of who is God, maybe you would have a good idea of trying to describe him. Maybe you would say that he is our Heavenly Father, or maybe you would use terms to describe what he is not which is a very ancient and orthodox way of describing who God is. Maybe it's hard for us to grasp who he is, but maybe we would use words that he is ineffable, indescribable. We would use words to describe who he is not because he is outside of time and space. So maybe that's how you would describe God. If I ask you to describe who Jesus is, you would say, well, he is God with skin on him. He is the eternal word of God. He is God incarnate. Maybe th- this maybe this is the words that you would use to describe who Jesus is. So that would be God the Father, God the Son. But then if I ask you, how would you describe God the Holy Spirit? Maybe for a lot of us, we have a hard time of describing who he is. I mean, think about it. We use terminology and imagery to describe who he is, the third person of God, the Holy Spirit, by using words like fire. And then maybe sometimes we describe him as wind. Last time I checked, fire and wind are extremely two different things. But both are used to describe who God, the Holy Spirit, is. Anytime we get stuck in describing who is this eternal being, who is our identity, what is our identity, we go back to our mission statement. Our mission statement as Orthodox Christians, something that we recite, we declare, we, we really belt out our mission statement every time we come for any liturgical service and in a prayer. And we know this mission statement being the creed. And we say, we say this part in the creed. Yes, we believe in the Holy Spirit, who is the Lord, who is the giver of life. This third person of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit, proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. Here the church is wanting to emphasize that the, the Holy Spirit is not just some like third person, like a third leg in the relationship with God the Father and God the Son, or just some sidekick, but he is actually God himself. He is the one who gives us life. He proceeds from the Father, and with the Father and with the Son He is to be worshipped and to be glorified. And it is through him, this is how the prophets and the people who have come before us, this is how they have been empowered and convicted and worked, is by the Holy Spirit working within them. For us, 2,000 years later, after the Holy Spirit has been given to the early Christians, the Holy Spirit is still working within us just as it did with them 2,000 years ago. And for us, It is our moral compass, and we'll touch more about that later. But anytime we celebrate the Holy Spirit, either at the Feast of Pentecost or at a wedding, or even when we celebrate someone's baptism, we are igniting the Holy Spirit within us for it to be set on fire even more. Think about it this way, that at your baptism, there was a spark that began. A fire began within you. And through the rest of our lives, we are called to continue to add gas to that fire 
for it to continue for 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 him to continue to burn within us to empower us to give us life to convict us and this is what the holy spirit is doing within us so the context of 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 what we're talking about is something where jesus took his 12 disciples and he said hey listen i have to leave this is at the end of of jesus time with his disciples he says i have to leave but there is someone who is coming after me that I have to leave in order for him to come, in order for him to give you life. So 10 days after Jesus' ascension into the heavens, the third person of God came to empower the disciples, to empower the early Christians. And this day is what we call the Feast of Pentecost. This is where we celebrate the Holy Spirit coming upon the, 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 coming upon the disciples And this is not just an event for us to celebrate something that occurred thousands of years ago, but this needs to become a divine reality for us today as we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, or in reality, anytime we celebrate the Holy Spirit working within us. Just to give you a glimpse of what we pray, what we chant on the Feast of Pentecost, there is a hymn called The Descent of the Holy Spirit, which is a hymn which focuses on the power of the Holy Spirit We chant this hymn on the Feast of Pentecost, at weddings, at other sacramental services in which we are celebrating the Holy Spirit to work, to give life. And this is the words of the hymn. Many of us know it through the Coptic term, Biabnevma, and the the hymn is this in English. The Spirit of Comfort came down upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost, and they the disciples spoke in many tongues. It came to pass when the days of Pentecost were completed that all 12 apostles were gathered together. The spirit of comfort came down from heaven, distributing upon each one, and they spoke in many tongues. Here we celebrate this event, this feast, but as I mentioned, this has to become a reality for us. You know, a term that we kind of hear a lot when we're talking about the third person of God, when we're talking about the giver of life, the Holy Spirit, we'll hear this word that sounds kind of funny, paraclete or paraclete. And it's a word that we kind of hear, you know, thrown around anytime we're talking about God, the Holy Spirit. And, you know, for, for maybe this is a newsflash for a lot of us, this is not an English word. But this is a word that, that is in Greek that we ended up taking and using it in English. And there is many reasons behind that. And this is the same reason why we might hear the word pantokrator, which is not really an English word, but we've taken it and use it in English because the word is so rich, the word is so deep, that it is so hard to capture and to bring it down to one word in English. So to capture its beauty, to capture its depth, to capture its richness in the word, we have preserved that word to mean something. And you can see that in many words in liturgical service. Maybe the word agios, pantokrator, like I mentioned. And even the word amen, alleluia, are Hebrew words that we have just captured into English. So the word paraclete, we hear that a lot anytime we hear us praying or, or about or praying to the Holy Spirit. Believe it or not, it's found in Scripture, and, it's, and we can find it in five times uh, in the Bible talking about the Holy Spirit being the paraclete. And, and the literal translation uh, from Greek is, is someone 
by your side, someone by your side. Think of him being a counselor, a helper, an encourager, a comforter, one who gives you light. You know, as a priest, I see the Holy Spirit working in such an amazing way, a very unique uh, way that I love seeing, and I love seeing this in the sacrament of confession. Anytime someone comes to God in confession and says, well, I've never really told anybody this, but and whatever they're about to say, it doesn't matter what it is. Like something inside of me is so happy because I see the Holy Spirit working within that person, counseling that person, convicting that person, encouraging that person, because that person understands I need to come to God with this struggle. I need to come to God with this burden, with this weight, with this sin, with this issue, with this addiction, and I'm coming in order to find new life. And when that person is doing that, that is a product of the Holy Spirit, the third person of God working within them. I want to share a very small passage written by an early Christian, written by one of the 12 disciples, the youngest one, St. John, someone who has seen so much, someone who was a first eyewitness of all the events and all the miracles that he, that he saw from his rabbi, from his savior, from Jesus, from his God. This is what St. John wrote to an early group of Christians in the first century. This is from 1 John chapter 4. St. John says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any times. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him, and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Like St. John emphasizes and highlights that if we abide in God and that, that we love one another, this is a product of God's spirit working within us. We're able to continually push out unconditional sacrificial love to others, this agape love. We're able to push this love because his spirit resides within us. I love how St. John words that and gives and, and delivers this to the early Christians 2,000 years ago and to us today. Something that's very unique about celebrating the Feast of Pentecost is after the celebration, of, after the liturgical service, we have something called prostration prayers in the afternoon, which is us now asking the Holy Spirit to work within us just as he did to the 12 disciples, just as it convicted them, just as it rocked their world, we're asking for the Holy Spirit to do the same within us today. And this obviously involves prostrations, because in order for God to work within me, I first have to realize I don't got it all, that I need help, that I am broken, that I do need the giver of life to empower me. I need him to work within me in order for me to become a vessel, in order for me to become an icon of God, I, I have to allow him to work within me. I have to realize that I don't have it all. I love the prayers of the prostration prayers, and here's just a very small glimpse of something that we pray during these prayers on the Feast of Pentecost. We say this, Manage my life, O governor of all the creation, with your unutterable power and wisdom, O harbor of peace, 
for those who are in the storm, show us the way in which we ought to walk. Send the spirit of your wisdom upon my thoughts and give my ignorance the understanding of your Holy Spirit. May your fearful spirit overshadow my works and may he renew your upright spirit within me. There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing more encouraging to now enter the apostles' fast, to continue the work of the early Christians by saying those words. I love the opening verse of that, of that prayer. Manage my life, O governor of all creation. It's extremely powerful. The church in her wisdom throughout the centuries has guided us in prayer. Because sometimes when we pray on our own, we have a tough time of knowing what to say. We kind of just say, you know, thank you, God, for this day. We don't know really what to say. But the church, in her wisdom, kind of organized prayer to focus on various themes throughout the day in our personal prayer for us to highlight certain things, uh, divine truths within us throughout the day. And one of those prayers that the church highlights is, is, is the third hour of the day in which we remember and be, make it a reality, which is the face of Pentecost. We make it a reality of the Holy Spirit working within us. And this is what we say in the litanies, in this, in this prayer, which is found in our, in our prayer book called the Agbeah. We say, O heavenly King, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who is present in all places and fills all, the treasury of good things and the life giver. I love how we use the words for the Holy Spirit to be the treasury of good things. That if I ask the Holy Spirit to work within me, it is a treasure, a box full of good things that will continue to work within me, continue to give me life. We, we, we finish that litany by saying, graciously come, dwell in us and purify us from all defilement, O good one, and save our souls. One of my favorite litanies of the third hour in the Igbeya is this, is this sentence. Just as you were with your disciples, O Savior, and gave them peace, graciously come also and be with us, and grant us your peace, and save us, and deliver our souls. Anytime we come to celebrate the Eucharist, every time that we come in personal prayer, either as an individual or in the body of Christ, we, we, we recite these words in the third hour in the litanies. That we're saying, Lord, just as you did this 2,000 years ago, just as you have taken these ordinary men and made them extraordinary, I ask that you do the same with me today. Just as you took them, you took fishermen, you took tax collectors, you took ordinary guys and rocked their world by your Holy Spirit, we're asking you to do the same within us today. Come also and be with us and grant us your peace and save us and deliver our souls. I want to finish off with a beautiful verse from an early Christian named St. Hilary of Poitiers. Listen to what St. Hilary says. This unique gift, which isn't Christ, is offered in its fullness to everyone. This is St. Hilary talking about the Holy Spirit. This unique gift, the Holy Spirit, which isn't Christ, is offered in its fullness to everyone. He is everywhere available, 
but it is given to each man in proportion to his readiness to receive it. I love that quote by St. Hilary. I feel one of the worst mistakes we can make as followers of Christ is to distance ourselves from the disciples, distance ourselves from the early Christians, where we kind of look at their picture, we look at their icon, and we see them with halos around their head, and we think like they just had amazing lives, perfect lives, never had any issues, anxiety, struggles, sins, and we just see them as if they came out of the womb with a halo around their head. But the only difference between the disciples who received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and me is that they asked the Holy Spirit to work within them in unbelievable ways, in remarkable ways that changed their life, and not just their life, it changed the lives of those around them as well and completely changed the course of human history because they allowed the giver of life, the third person of God, to work within them. That is the only difference between them and us. And now you are called and I am called for the Holy Spirit to work within me just as he did with them 2,000 years ago. So let this be our reminder. Let this be a divine reality that the Holy Spirit who resides within us is a fire, is a fire that's wanting to burn, wanting to rock our life, wanting to rock our marriage, wanting to rock our relationships, wanting to convict us, wanting to encourage us because he is the paraclete, the comforter, the spirit of truth who wants to lead us to the fullness of who our Heavenly Father is. You have been listening to Meet and Write. For more episodes and resources, make sure to check out CoptichHymnsInEnglish.com.